This morning we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. And so if you want to open your Bibles to there. And as you're turning there, I I just want to talk about um, knowing people. Last week we we looked at the first part of Philippians chapter 3. And we saw that Paul's determined purpose was to know Jesus. He... That was his longing. That was his desire. And even though Paul had all of this social status, this religious status within the Jewish system, um, he, he, when he became a Christian, when he became a follower of Jesus, he had to leave all that behind. And he said that he counted it as loss. He counted it really as garbage compared to the priceless worth of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. And so... Knowing Jesus was the theme of last week. And this week we're going to look at pressing on to know Jesus more. And sometimes knowing people can be a really great thing. You know, I had no idea the blessings that were in store for me when I met Matthew Howell. No, I'm just playing. Uh, Rose. My wife. I mean, you're pretty cool, Matt, but you're no Rose. Um, And as I got to know her, even through our dating period and our engagement, and since then, through our marriage, um, the more I know her, the more I love her. Uh, Of course, then there are people that you get to know, and they don't quite have the same effect on you. And the, the more you get to know them, the more they irritate you or, or something of that effect. Uh, I see a lot of knowing glances around the room. <clears throat> but fortunately for us, we do not have to worry about that with Jesus. Now, the more we get to know Jesus, there are going to be some sacrifices that are necessary if we want to continue to grow with him, in him, grow closer to him then there are things that we're going to have to leave behind, as Paul did. But compared to knowing him, basically, who cares what we have to leave behind? If we get to know Jesus, if we get to know the one true God. And so anything that we have to sacrifice is worth it. And that's where I want us to pick up this morning. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, remember he's talking about... Uh, he, he ended that passage last week with saying that he, his, his desire was to know him. And, and whether that's through the power of his resurrection or even sharing in his sufferings, even to death, his desire was to know Jesus fully. And he was ready for the resurrection of the dead. And he would attain that, like whether that meant living for Christ and and continuing to be alive for a while, or suffering, or sharing in the power of his resurrection, whatever it meant, he wanted that relationship with Jesus. So he had the relationship with Jesus, and he was going to experience it fully um, when he got to be with Jesus, and that wasn't quite happening yet. But he was going to obey Jesus no matter the cost. And so we get to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, and he says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect. So he's saying that his desire is to know Jesus fully. His desire is to know him fully by sharing in his sufferings or experience the power of his resurrection. 
is desirous to know him fully, but he doesn't know him fully yet. He's still chasing after that. And he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Paul is committed to following Jesus. And not just following him, but knowing him. And Paul is committed to following him and knowing him no matter what the cost. He is going to press on. And let's just be honest. Sometimes in our relationship with Jesus, sometimes after our conversion, things can be difficult. Life can be hard. That's, that's just the reality of it. I mean, if look at Paul. Look at what he had to go through. He went through being shipwrecked, being snake-bitten. People stoned him and left him for, for dead. The passage even looks like maybe he was dead, and God revived him. But he went through all of this suffering, all of these things, for the sake of Christ. To know him more, to, to serve him better, to follow him better. And he's going through all these things... And it's, it can be a challenge for us just to turn off the TV for 30 minutes to know Jesus better. It can be a challenge for us to see our neighbor in need and to have a heart to want to meet that need. We, we all face challenges wherever we are in our faith. Some of them are serious and, and some of them are, are light. Uh, some of them... There shouldn't be no question about how we should respond to it. The, the Bible is clear. And then other times, it's, it's not so clear. We're not sure what to do. But what we do, what we should always do, is press on to knowing him more. Press on to doing things his way and living for him and honoring him. And that's what Paul is saying. Not that I've already obtained this or already am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. And, and Paul admits that he's not perfect. How many of you have ever met someone who has a hard time admitting that? That they're not perfect? We, we do, don't we? We run into people like that, sometimes in the mirror. It's just, the truth is, is that sometimes... In life, we're closer to Jesus than we think we are. But also, oftentimes in life, we're not as close to Jesus as we think we are. And in order for us to be who we need to be for Jesus, and in order for us to know him the way that Paul has been talking about knowing him in this chapter, we must take an honest evaluation of ourselves. We must take that. And we need to ask God, as David did in his psalm, we need to ask God to search us and try us. Let us know if there's any wicked way in us, if there's anything that's not honoring to God, if there's anything that's falling short of his standards, then then let us know. And we strive to be all that we can be for, for him, for Christ. But simultaneously, we need to recognize as we've been talking about, we talked about it last week, we've talked about it several times in Philippians, that we strive to be that person for Christ, that person who's sold out, who's completely living for Jesus, 
who's chasing after the things of Christ, as Paul is talking about here, we strive to be that person because we love Jesus and we want to honor him. We're not trying to earn our salvation. We can't do that. We can't earn our salvation. It's a gift given to us by Jesus. But as we talked about when we were um, looking in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 that week, if we are saved, what God has worked in us, we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And we do that because of what he has done in us. And Paul, actually now he's going to transition to that in, in, in today's passage. Let's continue. I'm going to start over at the beginning of verse 12 and continue going. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Why do we press on? Why are we striving to be like Jesus? We're doing this because of what Jesus has already done for us. He has saved us. He is God. Now, I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes the full effect of this doesn't hit me. Sometimes I take this for granted. I take for granted what Jesus has done for me. Oftentimes, and and I don't know that we'll ever fully know the truth of it until we we are with him in heaven. But how often do we make light of the fact that the God of the universe chose to create us in the first place? He didn't have to do that. But because of his love, he chose to create us. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, it says that it was by his, for his pleasure, by his will, his desire. He wanted to create us. It was by his will that all things exist and were created. And so, out of his love and out of his desire, he created us to have a relationship with us, to pour out his love on them. And of course, we talked, we've talked several times about how illustrations, when it, when it comes to God, they always fall short. But I think about couples who meet each other and they, they fall in love and they get married. And Nicholas Sparks writes a book about them. Or, okay, maybe, maybe not every couple. But he's the guy that wrote the notebook. And I don't know what else he wrote, but I, I see his books on the shelf. Uh, but in real life, couples meet. People meet. And they fall in love and, and they get married. And some of those couples choose to have children. So that they can pour their love that they have together out on their children. And other couples choose not to have children. They choose to pour their love out on on other people in other ways. But that love that two people can have together leads to a desire to share that with other people. And, And I don't know God's thinking behind why he chose to create, but the love of the Trinity, we know that in that, love they needed nothing else to complete them or to make them happier or to make them better god was complete already but in his love he chose to create us so our very existence is in his hands we owe that to him but then when we sin when we fell away god already had a plan in place that he was going to forgive those sins but in order to forgive those sins those sins had to be dealt with. Wrong had been done, and that 
it had to be dealt with. And so he sent his son, as we've talked about. He sent Jesus, and Jesus lived a perfect life. And Jesus did not deserve any type of punishment because he never sinned. And yet, God and Jesus chose for Jesus to be born as a man so that he could pay the debt that man owed. He could pay for the sins that man had committed. And Jesus went to the cross willingly to die for our sins. And if it wasn't for Jesus, the Bible tells us that we would spend an eternity separated from him. The Bible tells us that we would, be, we would experience punishment in hell. And because of Jesus, we're spared all that. But not only that, when we think about life, it's not just about what we're escaping from. It's about what we're being saved to, what we, to whom we're being delivered. We, those of us who are followers of Jesus, who have had our sins are forgiven... We get to live in heaven with Jesus, with God. We get to experience his presence. And, and there will be no more tears, and there will be no more pain, and there will be no more suffering. And we get to experience that. And we get to live it with him, with God. And Paul is saying, look, I'm not already there. I'm not already perfect. I'm striving just like the rest of you. I want to make this my own. He says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why is he doing it? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You see, we can all say that we choose Jesus. We accept Jesus. And there's truth in that if you're looking at it from the right perspective. But we would not have the opportunity to choose Jesus if God did not first choose us. He chose to go to that cross. He chose to forgive us of our sins. He first chose us. And we can have salvation only because of that. And so, because Jesus has chosen Paul, because Jesus has saved him, Paul is going to chase after knowing Jesus, obeying Jesus, loving Jesus with everything he has. He's pressing on to make it his own. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Now, he's not talking about being saved. He's talking about this perfection and, and this pure knowledge of Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Some of us have never fully chased after Jesus because we won't let go of the things in the past. Now, sometimes that those are good things according to our standards, our world. Sometimes that's our social status that Paul had that he counted as loss compared to knowing Christ. He, he just let it go so that he could have Jesus and he wanted to follow him wholeheartedly. Sometimes we won't let go of those things, of who we were before Christ saved us, of the things that we had or how important this thing or that thing is to us. Some of us, it is my belief that the best father, for speaking from my point of view, the best husband, the best son that I can be is going to be found in me living wholeheartedly for Jesus. That's my belief. I believe that the reason that Rose and I love each other so much and strive to treat each other so well is not just because we love each other, it's because we love Jesus. Because I know that this is a shocker for some of you in here, but you always don't feel just this romantic, gooey love for your spouse. 
Well, maybe some of you. Come talk to me later if that's you. We'll write a book together. But there are times when being in relationship are difficult. But we choose, because of Jesus, we choose to love each other. We choose to be the spouses that we need to be. And when Paul is saying that we have to let go of the past, we have to forget what lies behind and press on to what lies ahead, strain forward to what lies ahead, when he's saying that, he's meaning good things like social status and things like that, that things we consider good. Um, he even means there are sometimes when we allow our families to interfere with us living life biblically and doing what Jesus has called us to do and loving him wholeheartedly. And it's, I believe that if we're not doing it his way, then even with our best intentions, we're going to mess things up back here, these things that we're trying to hold on to. But then, on the other side of the token, is the fact that some of us have hurtful pasts. We have things in our past that are painful, that are significant, that we refuse to let go of, that we refuse to, to forget what lies behind. We refuse to do that and refuse to go forward for whatever reasons. And we don't have time this morning to get into all of those reasons. But what I want to tell you is this. Anything you leave in the past for the sake of Christ, if it's done in a biblical manner, is good and healthy. Now, I am not saying if you're married with four kids to leave your spouse and four kids in the past and go on by yourself. I'm saying you choose... For your spouse and your four kids, for you guys to do things biblically as you move forward. To do things God's way as you move forward. And I'm not saying that if you've been hurt in the past, if someone has caused you great pain or life in general has caused you great pain. I'm not saying you just ignore that and press on, but you in a sense, you have to leave it there. You can remember it. You can grow from it. You can learn from it. But you can't just drag it with you as you're trying to go forward. It doesn't work. This church has experienced great pain. And I don't think this is taking this out of context. Because as we've seen throughout Philippians... Paul is not writing this to one individual. He is writing this to the church. And so when he is saying, not not that I've already obtained this, but I'm pressing on, he's not just expecting you as an individual. He's expecting the whole church at Philippi. He's expecting the whole church at First Baptist in Mansfield to forget what lies behind and move forward. We can't live here. I'm just going to be honest. Um, someone came in the office this week and was talking to Kimberly and I, uh, and they were saying something negative about our church, but not in a mean way. It was just a truth that that was unpleasant to hear. And But it wasn't the first time I've heard it. And when he left, I just looked at Kimberly and I said, I'm sure we'll be glad when we're known for something other than that. 
And the truth is, is that we will never be known for something other than that if we hold on to it. If we refuse to let go of it. If someone has hurt you, we have to forgive them. We have to move forward in unity. That doesn't mean you have to forget what happened. Okay? That doesn't mean that you have to ignore that it ever happened. You can learn from it. But you move forward. You forgive and you move forward. And then maybe you're asking, well, what does forgiveness look like and how much should I forgive? Well, let's go to the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, to what extent do you want Jesus to forgive you? That's convicting. And now, let's bring it back to personally. Not just as a church, but personally. What things are we holding on to in our past that are going to prevent us from being everything that we can be for Jesus? What things are we holding on to, positive and negative? What things are we trying to carry with us? Right? Now, I know that um, the Mansfield track team just placed, I think, third in, in district. The senior high girls. And y'all got first. Look at that. They got first. And so do you go to state now or is that? Do what? Oh, already went to state. Okay. So you got first in district and went to state. Okay, so let's say that they're at that race, the district race. And um, let's just pretend like the ladies decided that as they're running their races and um, doing the high jump and other things, that they were going to wear a backpack full of rocks. Does that make sense? Maybe while you're training, if you're trying to build up some muscles or something, but not during the race. Why, why would you do that? It, it doesn't make sense. So if you're trying to live your life, life is hard enough as it is without you carrying all of your past around with you. It would be just as silly for a track team to put on bags full of rocks as it is for us to dwell on what has happened back here and not handling it in a healthy way and not forgiving and not moving on. It would be like us putting on backpacks and trying to reach Mansfield with all of this weight holding us down. How can we ever love others the way we're supposed to when we can't love ourselves and ourselves the way that we're supposed to and we can't deal with our past in a healthy way? And so... Listen to what Paul has said about him wanting to know Jesus. Wanting to experience the power of his resurrection. Wanting to share in his sufferings. Wanting to to know him even to the point where he's saying, I am willing to do whatever it takes to follow him, even if that leads to my death. And he's willing to do that. But he's not going to hold on to the people who have hurt him. He's not going to hold on to the fact that he was shipwrecked and snake bitten and all that. He can remember it and he can use it to to press him forward, but it's not going to hold him back here. And for you as individuals, I want more for you as your pastor. I want more for you than for you to wake up in the mornings with pain, 
for you to wake up in the mornings and to hold on and to hold grudges about what happened back here. And some of you, just to be honest, some of you are sitting in this room right now holding grudges against each other. And we can't be the church that God desires for us to be if we're going to do that. And for those of you who are visitors here today, welcome to First Baptist Church Mansfield. We're glad you could join us. But we're not going to ignore biblical truth. We're going to approach it together. Now, forgiving and forgetting is easier said than done. We've all had people who have hurt us in our life who have caused deep pain. And there are things that (laughs) I'm just thinking of in my head and literally it makes me want to cry. Times when I've been hurt in my life by people. Hard, hard situations where I have been betrayed. But then if I'm honest, there have been times in my life where I've done the hurting. Where I've been the one causing the pain. And we can't live in either of those places, regretting our actions and just holding on to them and not forgetting and forgiving ourselves. And we can't hold on to what other people have done to us and try to carry that with us throughout our life. We have to acknowledge what happened and we have to find a way to forgive others. Not through our own power, not through our own wisdom, because sometimes if we're using our own wisdom, people don't deserve to be forgiven. People deserve to get what's coming to them if we're living by an American way of thinking in our own worldviews. But if we're living according to Scripture, then we ask God, bless them. Bring them to repentance. Bring them to a place where they feel sorry for the pain that they caused. And then forgive them and use them for your kingdom's sake and for your glory. And how often do we not feel that for our enemies? How often do we feel hatred and and pain toward our enemies and not wanting God to bless them? Wanting God to use them for his kingdom and for his glory. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to get to that place. But I'm saying it's where we got to strive toward. What we've got to strive toward. So, not that I've already obtained this. I'm going to keep rereading this. It's just too good not to. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Why are we forgiving people? Why are we moving on? Because Jesus saved us. He has given us new hearts. He has made us new people. He has given us a a, a second chance, a new life. He has given us a promise of salvation and eternity with him. He has spared us from hell. He has spared us from the punishment we deserve. And he hasn't just spared us from the punishment we deserve. He has taken it upon himself. And so because he has made us his own, we press forward to make him our own, to make this, knowing him, fully our own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He is, he is running the race. He is pressing forward. He is looking for a prize. Now, this is a... a, a Reward in the sense of he's going to get health and wealth and all that. Paul is going to suffer for the rest of his life. He's going to suffer. He's going to come to a place where his life is taken from him. But in his remaining days, 
He is going to press on. He is going to strive to know Jesus and to live for Jesus wholeheartedly. And he's going to do that because of what Jesus has done for him. And he is pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I just, I just want to love him. Can I, I'm going to take off like uh, I'm a pessimistic. This is just me speaking for myself. I'm pessimistic and I overanalyze everything. I'm typical like type A personality. I'm just going to take that off for a second, okay, if that's all right. And I'm just going to be romantic and say that I love Jesus. And I'm so grateful for him. I'm so glad for the fact that he has saved me from myself. He has saved me from the the pain and the hurt and, and the path that I was taking as a teenager. He saved me from that. And he gave me a new way to live. And I want to press on toward that. And he has he has taken away the pain. He has taken away the hurt. And he has given me a new way to live and a new way to think. He has given me a new heart to, to love him and to love others as myself. He has given me a new way to treat my enemies. No more do I look for revenge. Now I love my enemies. Now I want God to bless them. I want him to save them. I want him to use them for his glory and, and to make the path they were heading down, which is like the one I was headed down, to be for him and his glory. We have to forget what lies behind. We have to forgive. We have to move forward. And I'm just going to be honest. And I know, Randy, you've probably seen this more than me. But as a, as a minister, you know, people come into your office. And I've met 70-year-old people who never became the adults that they should have. Who never became what they should have become for Christ. Because of what their dad did to them when they were a child. Or because of what their mother did or someone else did or a spouse did in the past, an ex-spouse or whatever the case might be. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and see that I've been holding on to all this baggage in a way that has prevented me from running my race like someone running for a prize. I want to get to the end of my life and when my days are over, I want to stand before my Lord and I want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not because I live perfectly, because God knows I still don't. I still fall every day. I still sin all the time. But when I sin, I ask him to forgive me and I know that forgiveness is already there. And I repent. I turn from those sins and I strive for him. And of course, in striving, sometimes you fall down. But I get back up and I keep striving. I keep running. And that's what I want. I want to run my race. I want to live my life in a way that honors him, that chases after him. And I want all of us to do the same. And how sad would it be if in 10 years or 20 years we look back and we think of what God could have done if we would have only moved past past hurts. Let's move forward together. Let's forgive one another inside of this church. If we can't forgive other Christians, if we can't forgive ourselves, then how are we going to forgive others? How are we going to love a lost world? How are we going to be an example to them if we can't even deal with this? And so, verse 15 
Let those of us who are mature think this way. Paul, he's just not, I mean, he's just not putting it lightly. He's saying, look, if you're a mature Christian, then think like this. Press forward. Forget that. Forgive that. Let's go together. And we, we have great expectations for this church. God has been doing great things in our midst. And he is, I believe he will continue to do great things. But not if we're carrying all this stuff with us. He'll, he'll do some things. I believe that we'll see God moving. There will be, he, he'll be working through individuals' lives. But what if we were all pressing forward together? What if we were all running this race together? What if we were all loving our neighbors together? What could God do through us then? So let those of us who are mature think this way. Here's, here's what I believe. A friend called me one time, and as we were talking, I knew exactly what he should do in that circumstance. And it's just one of the, sometimes I have no idea what to tell people. But sometimes you've lived it, right? And you've seen it, and you know if they choose this, it will come to this outcome. And if they choose this, it will come to this outcome. So definitely do this. And while we were talking, I knew he was not going to do what I told him to do. He was going to do the other thing. And I don't even have teenage kids yet. I'm just talking about somebody else in my life. And so he chose the opposite of what I told him to do. And guess what happened on down the road? The very thing I said, if you do this, this is going to happen. But I was thinking about it, even in even while we were on the phone. And then afterwards, I was thinking, he can really only make the choice that his maturity will allow him to make. Why, why do five-year-olds, when you've told them not to ride their scooter 100 miles per hour, why do they still do it? Because they haven't fallen yet. Why do kids try to touch the stove? Because they don't know better yet. Look, I have a lot of grace and a lot of mercy for people who make mistakes when they just don't know better. But when you're mature, when you know better, and you keep making the same mistakes over and over again, that's a different story. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Let's do what is right in Christ. Despite what we want to do, despite what our emotions tell us to do, let us forget what lies behind and press forward to what lies ahead. Let us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Again, Paul, he's just blunt right here. He's like, look, this is right. This is what you need to do. And those of us who are mature know it, and we're going to live a certain way. And if you think otherwise, then as you mature, God will show you the truth. So he's just, he's just being blunt. And then look, verse 16. Only let us hold true 
to what we have attained. Let us hold true to what we have attained. We know what we need to do. We know we need to forget what lies behind and press forward to what lies ahead. We know what we need to do. Especially, the, I'm talking, uh, when I say you know and when I say you're, you're to do what's right, I'm talking to those who are mature, to those who are followers of Jesus, who have been living for him, and you know the right thing to do. And sometimes you can have been a Christian for a day and you know the right things to do, do it. And sometimes you've been a Christian for a few years and it's taken you some time to get to a point where you knew what the right thing to do was, do it. The good stuff that you used to enjoy and that was a part of who you were before Christ, you either need to find a healthy way to move forward biblically with those things or leave it behind and press forward. And the bad stuff, the negative stuff, then it needs to be left behind and you need press forward. Now, as I'm talking, 90% of you think that I'm talking directly to you when I preach a sermon like this. And that's fine if you feel that. Um, As long as you believe that we just look at God's word verse by verse and what he is saying is forget what lies behind and press forward to what lies ahead. And if you feel like I said something that was unbiblical this morning, then we can have a discussion later and and that's fine i'm completely open to having those discussions in peace and without friction just having a discussion and, and hearing your thoughts but if what i just said was biblical then what do we need to do forget what lies behind and press on and so here's what i'm going to close with i cannot imagine what God could do through us if we were to heed the advice of this passage. I cannot imagine how God would use our church not just to build us up and to make us as individuals feel loved and healthy, but to move on and and to reach our community and, and to make an impact on our state and our nation and our world. I cannot imagine what God could do through us if we were truly chasing after knowing Him. If we were truly looking to share in the power of His resurrection. That's Philippians 3.10. Or or to share in His sufferings. Just so we can be more like Him. So He can help us to know Him more. And I cannot imagine if we were willing to do whatever it cost us. If we were willing to follow Jesus. I cannot imagine what he would do through our church. And what he could do through us as individuals. I cannot imagine the healing he could bring despite the pain that we have caused. I cannot imagine the healing he could bring to, to our lives and to our hearts if we were willing to forgive and forget. And when I say forget, remember, I'm not saying pretend like it never happened in the sense of you can't learn from it, you can't grow from it. But I'm saying you're going to treat that person with love and respect and desire that God would bless them no matter what they've done. 
in that sense, you're forgetting. And so, how has God been speaking to you this morning? I, I've, I've sat and heard a sermon that has frustrated me and has made me angry. And maybe some of you feel that way this morning. And maybe you just need to, to sit where you are and to breathe and, and to let your heart rate go back down and for your blood pressure to lower. And, and that's okay. Sometimes sermons have that effect on us. But maybe some of you in here this morning are feeling deep conviction of something that needs to change in your life. Maybe I've opened some wounds this morning and you're remembering pain that people have caused you and it is breaking your heart right now and it's all you can do to sit there. If that's the case, let me pray with you or let someone else pray with you. And I would love to talk with you at, a, at another time when, when we could schedule some time for us to sit down together and spend some time together. And if the pain and the hurt that has been caused is so deep that I don't know, I don't have the wisdom or the maturity to help, then we'll find someone who does. Maybe you're in here this morning and, and you're the one who's caused the pain. And maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness not only from God, but from another person. If that's you, don't worry about how the other person is going to respond, if they're going to ask, if they're going to reciprocate the forgiveness and, and ask for forgiveness also. Don't worry about that. If God has put it on your heart to forgive someone or to ask for forgiveness, then you forgive them or you ask for forgiveness. However God is challenging you this morning, I'm just going to ask you to respond during this time of invitation. I'm going to leave that between you and him. I'll be right down here if anyone needs to talk. And if there's anyone in this room who you, you feel more comfortable talking to them, you've known them longer, whatever the case might be, then just pull them aside and y'all can step outside and talk. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, I just pray for all of our, our hearts right now, for all of the temptation to not press on, for all of the temptation to not forget what lies behind. And God, I just pray that you would help us to do what is right, no matter the cost. And I pray for the power of your resurrection, for us to experience that this morning, that you would make broken, ripped up hearts whole and new again. I pray that you would help people forgive things they never thought they would be able to forgive. And God, I just pray that you would help us to reflect your love, and your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for loving us despite the pain that we have caused you. Lord, thank you for loving us and forgiving us, even though that meant that you had to die on a cross in order to pay for our sins. Lord, thank you for being an example for how we can move forward and how we can press on. And help us to do that. And help us to follow Paul's example. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand.